Ariza blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball series. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Pro, how goes it? Folks, first off, we have to address the elephant in the room, and I'm not talking about me for once. You got to address what happened. The fucking sound guy's been taking shit left and right about not having the show. I mean, I you know, I'm getting killed about Doritos bags uh, fucking crackling in the background. You got to address it. You got to, <laughs> as the CEO of Rogue Bogues, you've got to protect your people. You got to, you got to address it. And let's just fucking address it for the first 30 seconds. Because, I, I, I'm, you know, the sound guy is taking a pound and, you know, and not in a good way either. So we got we to gotta address it. It's on the run sheet. So I have two indiscretions we need to go through. I'll get to the second one, obviously, second. But the the transmission problem last week, pro. So I uh, these my podcast equipment has a micro SD card. For those of you who don't know, it's a very tiny, uh, you know, storage card essentially um did not realize they are that uh delicate and when i went to i guess put it take it out from the where i have it stored to put it back in i kind of scuffed or or maybe put a little cut through the the actual part of the chip that obviously is being read so put that in machines not reading it i'm like oh shit here we go so as i've put it in it has a mechanism that you know, it's an inject eject thing. So if you push it in, it, it clicks it in, and then you push it to to have it stick its kind of a side of it out, so you can pull it out again, right? So that's an important part mm-hmm. of the story. Anyway, so Pro that day, um, we we both agreed to start a bit later. Pro would text me, you know, I'll be around about fifteen to twenty. So I get home and I'm like, oh shit, it's not working. Fifteen to twenty minutes. Hmm. Office works is eight minutes from my house, right? So I'm like, I, I can make mm-hmm. it to Office Works and back and still be on time. So I did. Mm-hmm. I rushed my ass to uh, Office Works. Let me get one of those micro SD cards. No worries, we've got it. Bang. I come back. I op- I get it out of the packet and I go to put it in. Not working, right? Still not working. So now I'm like, I thought, uh, this is what I'm thinking. When I cut the package of this new SD card, I'm like, I must have scuffed it with the scissors. Because it's like, you know, the, the cards are really small and they're in this little sealable bag, so you have to cut around it. I bet you I've cut it now. So I'm like, what an idiot. Like, I've cut this micro SD card. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm not going through this shit again. So I just said, probably like, let's just let's just can it for this week. We'll do it next week. Anyhow, I go now a second time to office works a day or two later to prepare for this following week. I buy two micro SD cards this time, <laughs> just in case I cut, cut it wrongly again. I put this shit in the podcast and realized that it's the actual machine that's fucked up uh, because of that mechanism. Now it's not loading the SD card. So I threw this, the, the, the brand new one that I bought on the day, I threw that out because I thought it was screwed up. And then now I figured it's my actual podcast machine. So I found one locally, got a brand new one. We're all good now, but absolute shenanigans to just, you know, go through it. Big fingers, big hands, big strong man like myself and micro SD cards pro, not a very good mix. Jeez, Bogues, I think we're getting fucking sabotaged. I think somebody's, I think somebody's got it out for you, brother. It might be one of the five hundred people you go at on a monthly basis online. Mm, yeah, maybe they but, might uh, be working for the. They might be working for the Geek Squad. Office works. Yeah, it might be at office work, but it just tells you how delicate this shit is. So, I haven't really had any yeah. issues really beyond that, and that was. Uh, it just pissed me off because I drove. I thought I had it all set. Oh, crisis averted. Pro won't even notice. And then bang, <laughs> still didn't shit, still didn't work. So, moving on from that, one more indiscretion. 
two weeks ago when we did our end of year Aussie mm-hmm. player of the year or our Aussie watch, we failed right. to include – who did we fail to include, Pro? Let me know. Uh, you remember? Did we talk there about Ingles? That's the one. Joe Ingles. So I get a text from Joey. Saying, that fucking um, asshole never texts me anymore. Uh, no, it's been about three fucking he, he did, years. He's Houdini'd it for, for the most part, but he texts me and goes, listen to the podcast and really enjoyed the Aussie, uh, being sarcastic, the, the Aussie Watch segment. Yeah. Um, don't know if I'll tune in anymore after that, you know, sarcastically. And I just said, well, you said you were going to come on the pod about 18 months ago and you still haven't, so we just put a line through your name. We're not talking about you. But that was a joke, a bit of banter. But, yes, we did forget Joe Ingalls uh, on the run sheet. So it actually was on the page, but I skipped over it, glazed over it, and we'll give those stats now because, you know, we, we screw up from time to time, Pro. That's two screw-ups we've admitted to. And Joe Ingalls, here you go, 22 minutes a game this season, 6.9 points, 2.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists. Back to his beautiful 40% from three. So we apologize to Joe Ingalls. You still owe us – some time on the podcast in the future, but uh, we gotta we got to admit our mistakes, bro. That's, that's life. Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. The, the Hall of Fame is definitely calling out for those numbers that we, we missed out on. So, you know, the Aussie <laughs> Watch Hall of Fame, he's, he's, still a, he's still in the, you know, in the running for it. We're, we're you know, we got we to gotta go back and vote on it, but yeah, don't worry about it. And plus, my DM is still the same, just so we know. He was... You know, we were best buddies about three years ago. I must have said something that pissed him off because I haven't heard from him since. No, I think, guys he's, the, I think like he's, uh, he's got off socials, I believe. Um, I have to double check, oh. but I know I know he deleted his Instagram and I know he deleted – I think he deleted his Twitter. So I think he um, – I mentioned this you know months ago. I think he was knuckling down in the rehab and gone through some grueling days, so I think he wanted less distractions. And, um, yeah, he disappeared on all of us for a while. Uh, all of us were like, Joe, you're right, man. Like, where'd you go? And I think he changed his yeah. number. And we, f- we finally got a hold of, hold of him and all is okay now. He's back on the court and in a better mental state. But those, those, uh, 12 month rehabs pro, as you know, you've been around players that can be, that can be pretty daunting. Um, especially when it's really his first long-term injury, I believe, where he's been out for more than a month or two. So he was dealing with that, but yeah, apologies to Joe Ingles. We've got your numbers out there now. Stop breaking our nuts. Onto the playoffs pro. Don't know how much of these you've been watching, but uh, we're going to start with the Warriors-Sacramento Kings series. Now, I'm going to give – I had our run sheet prepared last week. I'm going to give the pick of what I thought it would be, and I'm not lying about these. And I'm going to give what where, where, where I think it's going to end up. So for the Warriors-Sac series, I had 4-2 pre this series for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I was in – you know, I was, I was shooting myself when it was 2-0 <laughs> for those picks, mm-hmm. going back to Golden State. But the game was early this morning, Australian time, um, and earlier in the morning for you, earlier in the day for you over there in the US, and it's 2-2. This has been a fantastic series. I think this has been almost conference finals-like, in my opinion. Um, Series of adjustments, back and forth, uh, the Draymond Green suspension. My wife and I were speaking, and my wife's like, I bet you they're going to win game three, and I'm like, I think they will too. Uh, My wife said they're going to win by double digits, and she was right, so maybe we should get her on the pod. I was like, no, nah, I won't be yeah. double digits. It'll be close, but they'll win. And Looney was huge in that game, filled that role. Uh, you're going to game yeah. four. Draymond comes off the bench, which was big. I think it was really, really good. Kept their balance in the starting lineup a little bit diff- a little bit of the same as game three. Draymond Green on Fox in the second half was big. Now, now look, Fox still had his numbers, but even that last play of the game, Draymond's in the spot that De'Aaron Fox wants to get to to shoot that mid-range. He's, in, he's on the elbow. They make him throw it to Harrison. Look, if Harrison knocks the three down, we'll have a different conversation. But he took that gamble. Yeah. 
um, after they switched off. I think Draymond was really good on Fox, just brought a different diet of stuff. Uh, I think Draymond played more the IQ game rather than just trying to get up and in. I have concerns about Aaron Fox, Pro. Um, I think he looked very gassed towards the end of that game in game four. Uh, let's not forget, for portions of, of these games in the series, he's not getting a break defensively. He's chasing Steph Curry, and that's going to have a toll, I think, in a seven-game series. I think his legs uh, have to give. When he's when he's the only guy that's really been that aggressive for him offensively, scoring you know, 38 today, he's getting them buckets. It's very hard to do that when you have to go to the other end and chase a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry, and, and I think that's starting to show a little bit now in this series. Um, some some crazy stuff. The physical series, the Draymond suspension, Sabonis and him going at it. This is the referees. I think have done a great job in this series for the most part. They've let the teams play, even in the rebounding battles. They haven't caught a lot of the ticky tacky stuff. They probably let too much go to be honest at times, and that's why some frustrations boiled over. And even today, you see some crazy stuff. Steph calling a timeout without a timeout left, getting a technical foul, almost costing them the game, uh, but they squeak it out. So a lot a lot to like in this series. A lot of drama. Question comes, Pro, can the Warriors win a game on the road? Well, Bogues, I mean, I guess you've got to go with, you know, what they did all season with this. I mean, they haven't really – I mean, when has the Golden State Warriors really shown all year on a consistent basis that we're a dominating team? Not a dominating team, number one in the league or anything, but just a high-level team like that. They haven't really shown it consistently, and it does bother. It does sort of. If I was a Warriors fan, I'd probably be worried about it for sure. You know, winning on the road has been a problem all year, one reason or another. Um, you know, it's been a great series. It's been a back and forth, like you said. It's been physical. It, it's had a lot of a lot of drama to it. But yeah, I mean, winning on the road has been a big problem for them, and sustaining anything, and you know. If they want to do anything, they're going to have to win road games and they're going to have to break serve, you know, I mean, sooner than later, definitely sooner than later. You want to get this one, you know, the next one. I think this one's going to tell the series. If they can't win this one, I think it's going to be hard for them to close them out, win, you know, go back to Golden State. They'll probably win that one. But then being able to close, you know, in in another game and trying to beat, Sacramento on the road, it's going to be tough. Now, one would say experience. You know, Golden State has it. You know, Sacramento hasn't been through that as a team yet. I get all that. But, man, like, when are they going to win on the road? Uh, that's that's a huge question for me. I think it's going to be this and, series, bro. I do. I think it's – I think the tightening of the buttocks is going to start for the Kings. They've, they haven't been here mm-hmm. before. They haven't been right. through the, the, the grueling ups and downs of a series, the momentum shifts – we're starting to see a few of the Kings disappear that, that had some influence during the regular season. Sabonis hasn't had a great couple of games. Uh, Harrison Barnes has been struggling the last couple of games. Um, you know, so I think that's what's going to play. And I think, you know, I think the Warriors will get five or seven, one or the other. Um, I, I think it's going to be five. I think it's still going to go four or two. I think the momentum shifted. And I think once the Warriors get a sniff of something working, the, the Draymond Green on Fox, Draymond Green off the bench, different lineups. They really, really go well with that. So um, I could be wrong. Could go, could go Sacramento, you know, four two for all I know. But I'm, I'm sticking with the champs because they've been in this situation. Don't forget, Wiggins was out for you know two odd months um, towards the end. So that obviously hurt their road record too. I think the acquisition of of, of GP uh, Gary Payton second um, 
has been huge for them as well defensively, and I think they're starting to get back into that flow of that little run they made last season in the playoffs. So I, I think they're going to go four two. But uh, what else have you seen in this series that that stands out for you? Have you seen anything else other than what we've noted? You know, Bogues, like I, I do like the you know maturity of Fox. I think him playing as well as he's had, you know, all series, averaging twenty nine and eight, you know, for the most part throughout the series. Like I think that. He's been good to watch. Malik Monk's been great to watch. Um, you know, obviously Steph, just being Steph, I mean, 30, you know, averaging over 30 for the series. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins getting his legs back. Looney's been unbelievable with defense, rebounding, screen setting, you know, great role play for, for him for sure. So I, I really enjoyed watching those, sort of those things of the games. Um, I like the back and forth. I think that these guys are going at each other. It's been great to see. It's great to see Harrison Barnes having a good series as well. Um, I wouldn't say Sabonis is Randall-like as far as not really bringing it in the playoffs yet, but he's been a little bit up and down. Um, Draymond, I didn't watch early game. Um, I watched late game, and it seemed like, like Draymond thought he got hit a couple of times wasn't like didn't have any antics towards the referees just sort of gave him a little stare and a little hey I got hit and I like to see that versus the antics and the Steve Austin you know showing the ears like he's Hulk Hogan or something back back in the 80s and doing all that stuff I I like I I don't mind when players go at referees a little bit but I just you know I I like just the sort of the hard play you know give him a little talk say hey I got hit whatever and then just go back and I, I I sort of like that but I do enjoy this is probably the second best series going. I really enjoyed the Phoenix LA Clippers series. Uh, but this this series has been really, really fun and entertaining to watch. Yeah, it has. This has been a great series. And I think your point to Draymond is once bitten twice shy. I think now with the suspension and everything going on, I don't think he can yeah. afford to be suspended again and to go through that. So it's good that he's toned it back because they definitely need him out there. Uh, we'll get on to Den- Denver, Minnesota's going on as we speak. It's 29 apiece, uh, start of the second quarter, but 3-0. I had this one as 4-1. It's currently 3-0. Um, Jokic domination so far. I mean, he's he's 2011-9 a night uh, in this series. He's 25 from 40, 25 for 44 from the field. Just letting the game come to him, and that's what you love to see with, with the caliber of star that he is. He's never really pressing for his numbers. They just – somewhat naturally come. I think Aaron Gordon's taken a big step this season for them. Uh, I think he's the X factor for them and their aspirations to, you know, get to a, a conference finals or a finals. I think he's probably the piece that that they haven't had in that current form the last couple of seasons. I think he's grown a lot this season and his energy and cutting and everything he's doing, even his three balls, not as bad as it once was. Um, but yeah, the Wolves just have no answer for Jokic in this series. And you might look at 2011 and nine as, as nothing, but just the, the pace and the tempo of the offense. Jokic is getting in buckets when he needs to. Once again, I feel like – I know Towns and Gobert hasn't been the greatest fit, but I feel like, you know, Towns in these in these tough physical playoff series historically, he just ends up floating to the perimeter a lot. And I know, I know he won the three-point uh, contest, and that might be a, you know, a curse somewhat. Pro. I don't know what your thoughts are, but, you know, when you're playing the four and you're, you're Towns, he can just – I know the spacing's not as good, but put Rudy Gobert in the opposite side short corner or the dunker, as you call it, and get Towns on the block a little bit or at the elbow and just have him just 
big boy, those four men, they're, they're putting they're putting four men like a, like a Gordon or a Jeff Green that that have no business guarding him on the block. Mm. But he has that tendency to float and just get frustrated at times and stand in the corner or just you know stand on the forty five and hoist up three. So. You know, I know he's, he's had an active effort at the start of this game to get to the bucket, and they needed that from day dot. But this has been a reoccurring issue for um, for Towns in in playoff series. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're not there every day, so we don't know if that's their philosophy of, you know, look, we we get away from post play regardless. I mean, he's always been a load down there to deal with. But yeah, I've, I've noticed the last year or two, you know, this season, last season, that he's really floated out to that three-point line, that perimeter play. And I don't know if it's a, you know, I don't know if it's just sort of peer pressure about where the league's going, where these other four men are playing, um, listening to people that you shouldn't be listening to. But I always I always tell players, hey, look, go to your skill that's going to really impact the game. And the way he impacts the game is it's post-play. He's got great feet. He's got great touch. It's a good face-up game. You know, he can get to the basket. He's really crafty. He's really smart. But yeah, you just I don't give a fuck about three point contests or not. The guy's not a fucking guy that I want to pay money to just to drift outside. You know like, what are you gonna do? He's not like a poor man's Sam Perkins for God's sakes. He's like a poor man's Anthony Perkins from out there. Just fuck that. Like get get to especially when they switch. Everybody switches these days. One five pick and roll, one four pick and roll, whatever. Just throw it to him and get it to the block. Get to the free throw line. Get some energy that way. Really, you know, put you know put Denver in a tough situation. And, well, he started uh, today. Really he's two. He's two for two yeah. from the field, four for five from the line. He's got eight points at the start of the second quarter. So yeah. he's made it. He's made an effort to to try and attack more. Maybe they've had a word to him, but it, it is noticeable. And you look at. You know, game one, one for seven from three. Game two, two for five. Game three, two for four. So, look, not horrible in the last two games, but I think the feet said wide open ones. I've got no issue with transition or out of a pick and roll, but I think at times he does float, and they, they need him to be a dominating force. They've got Edwards on the perimeter. They've got Rudy defensively, but Towns is kind of that anomaly that's like, hey, we need you to give us 25 a night um, and dominate those mismatches, like you said, pro, especially with teams switching. And if they do switch and you don't get a touch, crash the board, get some O-boards. You know, he, that's the thing. He's, he's tending to just float on that perimeter. But, you know, this series, we know Minnesota coming through the plane, probably they deserve to be there in the first place. Who knows? But um, this is always going to be a somewhat domination by, by Denver. And it's looking that way. I mean, we'll probably, you know, if Minnesota get this one, it probably goes back to Denver and goes 4-1. We'll probably right on our predictions. But um hasn't been the most fun series to watch. It's been kind of grindy at times. No. It does stagnate from time to time. And then a, a switch flicks and then no one plays defense for a five-minute stretch. And I think that's Den- that's one thing I've noticed with Denver. They have these lulls defensively. I think Mike Malone has spoken about it. I've seen him talk about the fact that, you know, we just have lapses of of four or five minutes where we just don't guard, and and he did one of those halftime interviews, and they're asking him about what do you need to do to play, you know, to play better defense, and he's like, we need to we need to defend, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and and he's got a point. And that's one thing that concerns with them, but they, they get in that in that um, up and down pace of moving the ball, and it's kind of relaxing, and they're they're not threatened, and then they they kind of bring that defensively a little bit for stretches, and but when they're locked in defensively and, and and playing hard, and they're tough to beat. But that's the only concern I have for them next round and the round after, not right now against Minnesota. Though I think this series is pretty much a wrap. Yeah, you're right, and I think you know it's funny. 
they, they, I think advancing throughout the playoffs, both they're going to have issues on both ends. Defensively, look, Jokic doesn't guard, Porter doesn't guard, Murray's an okay defender. You know, Caldwell Pope, I think, is a really solid like team defender. Gordon, obviously, is probably their stopper. Bruce Brown really plays well defensively off the bench. Jeff Green gives him a, you know, gives him a little bit, and then DeAndre Jordan haven't really paid attention to this series. I don't know if he's even playing, but um, you know, that's where they'll that's where their issue will lie. And they need someone else besides Jokic that could flat out take over games offensively. And, you know, because, you know, they're going to try, you know, teams are going to do their damnedest, especially, you know, later in later rounds to really take the ball out of Jokic's hands or his effectiveness and, you know, forcing the pass out of double teams, which him, it's obviously not a problem. But other players are going to really have to step up, you know, if that's a Porter Jr. or, you know, a Gordon. Mar- I mean, definitely Murray. Murray's the scorer. You know, a guy that obviously is you know brings it on a nightly basis, but you know throughout the later rounds in the playoffs, this is where they struggled in the past finding that other guy that's really going to take over games. So that's that's going to be an interesting one, Bogues. And um, I mean, obviously they play great as a team. They're very well coached. Jokic is is great, and they've got a lot of good supporting pieces around them. You know, I really enjoy watching Gordon play. I I agree with you. I think he's really stepped his game up. Um, you know, really embracing that role as a guy who could guard, guy who could make an open shot, straight line drive you, you know, and, and make things tough. Uh, Porter, you know, really just got to try to be consistent throughout series and, and, and do things. And Murray's going to have to be that second guy. Their bench has been, you know, solid, you know, for the most part. I really like Bruce Brown. You know, I think Jeff Green at times can give you some energy. Um, Reggie Jackson does his thing, but, you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting going forward. It will be. Uh, that one, I think, will stay 4-0-4-1. Moving on to Memphis and the Lakers. A lot of people had this as an upset uh, series. Um, I was still siding with 4-3 for Memphis. I thought this had every chance to go seven games pre the series. pro, And, and that was until Dylan Brooks wakes up the retirement home in Los Angeles. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I mean, what are you doing? Like, it's... It's currently 2-1. Uh, we've got another game in LA. It could potentially go 3-1, could go 2-2. I think it's still going to th- – I'll still sit on – I'll still say 4-3 Memphis, barely. Um, and that's not a compliment to Memphis. They should they should plow through this series considering how bad the Lakers were coming into into the playoffs. I mean, they had a good month, yes, but Memphis is deep in, in a lot of positions. they got a better bench. But, like, Brooks, what are you doing? I, I get antics and I get physicality, but – this series, you don't need to give this old locker room they have over there of, of guys that are somewhat coast through games. It's been a problem for the Lakers. Give LeBron, one of the best players, you know, not just of, of today, but going out of one of the best players of all time, some added motivation. And and just with, you know, he, for those not familiar, he had a press conference after a game saying, LeBron's old, I, didn't, I couldn't care about him, blah, 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 go at everyone. If I'm his teammate at some point, bro, I'm going to him, hey man, like, like chill the fuck out, dude. Like LeBron James is already a killer. We we don't need to we don't need to have him come in motivated. Just you know, compliment him, tell him how great he is before the games, play that psychological game. And they've been punished for it. They're down two one, pro, and and then you, you factor in the Moran injury early in the series. He's back. He's banged up. The way he plays now maybe changes a little bit with with getting hurt early in the series. So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers won this, to be honest with you. I've been on the bandwagon of Memphis of front runners. I don't believe in them in a seven-game series, but I, I think they should still get through a Lakers pro. That's, that's my point. Yeah, you know, Bogues, like, 
look, this is what the league is, right? It's WWF, you know, interviews, saying crazy stuff, all about me, the individualism of the NBA as far as like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Brooks is very Deshaun Stevenish. You know, when Deshaun Stevens, uh, Stevenson did that to LeBron early on in his career, and then Lance Stevenson doing it to LeBron as well. The one thing about LeBron, like, you could say what you want about him. You know, some of the antics off the court, I'm not a huge fan of as far as, like, way he carries himself sometimes and, and acts. Um, two things that I respect of him, like, the guy never gets in trouble off the court, does whatever. So he never really plays into the antics. He just sort of plays his game, does his thing. You know, I don't know if this wakes him up, not wakes him up, whatever. But, you know, Dylan Brooks, like for all the shit he talks, like, guy can't shoot, can't make a shot, not a scorer, you know. And it's it's not like he's a lockdown defender. Like, he's physical and tough at times, for sure. But, like, you know, back it up. You know, this this goes to show you how overrated the Memphis is. You know, you know look, it, it's one thing about catching a team, winning a couple of rounds in the playoffs, and, and actually doing this consistently. And the two guys that got to really step their game up are Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. You know, those guys, if they want any shot at this, I thought they were going to win. I thought I had them at 4-2. But if they want any chance, they, those two guys got to step up. Jaron Jackson is doing his best. You know, he didn't have a great game, in my opinion, um, last night. But those two guys have really have to step up. Desmond Bain and Brooks have to make shots. They got to get to the basket. They got to give John Moran help. They don't have Steven Adams. You know, they're missing, what, Brandon Clark as well. Like, you know, they're missing some guys. You know, Aldama, you know, Asante Aldama, he, you know, he's played all right, made a couple of shots here and there. Um, You know, but like those guys got to step up. And the whole antics thing with Brooks, look, it is, that's what the league is, folks. It's all shit talking, taunting, you know, antics, antics, antics. And now people get upset when he slaps fucking LeBron James in the nuts. Like, you allowed this guy to do this shit all year. You know, same thing with the Draymond thing. Same thing with whoever else is into antics. Like, you allow this shit all year. Why is everyone surprised when it goes like this? Brooks doesn't know any better. He's he's Captain Shtick. That's what he is. He's captain fucking shtick. This is his personality. He's not a very good basketball player. He's an above average NBA player, you know, that gives you energy, that could score a little bit, but he's non efficient, can't make a shot, doesn't really do anything great. So he needs to do this stuff. He's sort of hanging on to that. You know, he's a good, he's an, and he's a decent player, but he's nothing great. But he's got to try the antics. And, and again, it gives him press. It gives him. I, I, yeah. I get that. I get the. F- I get it on the court, like trying to bring energy and be physical and nitty gritty. But like, yeah, you go to the media, you're going to lose that battle against LeBron every day of the week. Number one, like no you're just going to, and then now you're putting more pressure on yourself. You put a microscope on yourself where they're going to be looking at every little thing you do now. Oh, you were, you were three for 10 from three. Oh, no you, you had four turn. Like you said, like you're not that guy. So it's like, You've almost put a spotlight on yourself when you're not a good, great player anyway. You're you're a solid average player. You, you bring a lot of energy. You're you're a great piece in that team, but you're not. They can they can not play you and still be okay, right? Like you know what I mean. Like it's like the Lakers can't do that with LeBron, right? Right now in a playoff series. So my whole thing is just don't prod the old poke to bear, whatever. But I feel like the Lakers the Lakers need a reason to get up for games, even in a bloody playoff series. They're that mentality of. They've got a lot of coasters, right? They've got a lot of like, oh, now we're th- you want to threaten us now? I oh, will show you. But if you, if you don't threaten them, you'll probably slide through and win. <laughs> like, 
And now you've just hey. woken them up. Like I said, it's just it's just stupidity, I think, on Brooks's part and all the outfits and all the antics. It's like, dude, like you're playing in Memphis. You're not in LA. You're not Hollywood. Just chill out, man. Like it's I respect how you play to an extent because you play hard, but I, I just can't. I, I've lost all respect for that guy just, uh, just on, on a day-to-day basis. Oh, no doubt. And on the other end, did you see that when they interviewed D'Angelo Russell and they called him a point guard and he freaked out? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, so like I, I don't know why like the the, the the reporter was just in the you know at his walk or whatever, and he goes like as a point guard, and he bro- like he interrupted him right away. He goes, "Why do you have to say that? I'm a I'm a basketball player. I'm a basketball." Like he said it like five times. I'm a basketball player. Like like the guy made fun of his family or something, calling him a point guard. Like why? This, this world. Why is he offended? I have no. I have no fucking idea. This world is completely fucked, folks. <laughs> it's completely fucking. It was like insane. the KG thing. Remember when people used to call KG seven footies to get mad? <laughs> it's like I'm six eleven. Yeah. It's like you yeah. know, like what? Are, who, yeah. I, I think part of that for him was marketing because you know it's harder to market seven footers. But being called a point guard on on, on a great team or or a good team, uh, not the end of the world. Maybe maybe he's offended because I'm a scorer. I'm a scorer. I'm not a point guard pro. It's unbelievable. Like, that, that is like, that is quite hilarious. Sign about time. It's just a fucking. Don't label me, pro. Just soft. Don't label me yeah. with a position that I play. How dare you? How dare you call Rudy Gobert a center? He, he could he could identify yeah. as a forward. He could identify as something different. <laughs> like well, you can't he could identify a as a three point shooter. <laughs> well, you can't you can't. You can't say you can't call Rudy a post player because he doesn't have any post moves. Guy makes 150 million. Guy doesn't have one post move, so he's not a post player. He's probably more of a small forward than a post player because the guy <laughs> doesn't have one fucking one post post move. He's been in the NBA a fucking decade, not one. But anyways, I digress. But that's just fucking the NBA today, man. You can't, is, call, you can't call guys point guards. Can't call guys seven footers. I don't fucking understand it, folks. I don't. But it is what it is. And just a quick circle back, just so we can get your pick. I'm four two for Warriors in the sack series. What do you got from this point forward? Yeah, I got, I got, I got Golden State four three. Four three, okay. Denver Mini, uh, that one doesn't really matter. We don't have to get into that one because it's better. What do you have in this Memphis yeah. Lakers? What are you finishing that off as? I had I've, four got, two. I've got four I had, three. I have four. I had four two. What, what's the series now, folks? So it's, it's two, two one, one Lakers with game four in LA. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I'm gonna say. You know what? I'm going to go, oh, man, this is tough because the Lakers you can't fucking count on either, but they're, you know, they're busting their ass. I would say Lakers 4-3. I think the Lakers are going to win the series. Okay, I'm going to stay with Memphis at 4-3. We'll see how that one goes. I think Morant's going to lift a little bit because he's got no choice. Phoenix Clippers, sure. as you said, tantalizing series pre the injury uh, to Kawhi. I think this was going to be a great series. Great back and forth, um, but unfortunately, it's currently 3-1. I had this one for 4-2 for the Phoenix anyway, pre the series, pre pre starting. But I think there's some holes in Phoenix, first and foremost. I think they they grind down to a lot of isolation basketball. They have, and, and that's not a bad thing when you've got Devin Booker and KD, but I just think that steady diet of that could get you in trouble. But Kawhi looks to be done. He looks to be done. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of mail about announcing it, but they said his knee has severely swollen since that game two where he played through it. He's had knee issues in the past. That's a huge out. Paul George, uh, they haven't really given a definitive answer, but everything I've heard is he's out for at least the first round of the playoffs. They are down 3-1. Um, 
it's a shame because this could have been a historic series. Uh, I've enjoyed watching this series for the most part, just the back and forth. And I've enjoyed the revamped Russell Westbrook, bro. I think he mm-hmm. has proven to a lot of people that he can still play the game in the right system. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers thing was just horrible for him. He does need the ball in his hands. But in this series, bro, he's, he's 26 points, 7.5 rebounds, 7.25 assists, 9 for 22 from 3. So respectable there. And I've liked I've I have liked seeing that revamp story for for Russ, um, but yeah, I think this one I think this one's over. I think it's going to go four one. They're going back to Phoenix now. I just can't see I can't see uh, Phoenix letting this slip. They'll get some rest and they'll move on. But um, a disappointing end to this this series, in my opinion, with the injuries. Yeah, there's been a lot of negative press to Kawhi getting hurt. Stephen A. calling the worst superstar that the game's ever seen. And like as as far as a, a legit superstar, and mm-hmm. just because with all the sitting out injury, um, all the antics with getting to getting himself out of cities to other cities, and just not really you know not not living up to the name or the hype. I I mean obviously I don't get involved in any of that bullshit, but I mean that there is a lot of talk there. I mean you know Kawhi for all the you know, they had to move moons to get Paul George and Kawhi you know, and the same team. And, you know, they did a great job sort of assembling that roster. And it just sort of, uh, just the luck of the NBA. Look, they did everything that they could all year to rest those guys, make sure they're all right. You know, of course, there's all, there's all talk about what's right. Should they rest them? Should they not? And it all comes down to the playoffs. It all comes down to our guys healthy in the playoffs. And that's it. And, and you could do whatever you want during the season, but it's just, it, it's been you know, it's obviously a rough ride for them. I, I expected this to be an unbelievable series. And watching, you know, Durant and Booker do their thing, Chris Paul's been really good at times. Um, Aiton has been, you know, making that, you know, making that little short, you know, short roll jumper and, you know, making passes and things have been good. I'll tell you what, who's been really fun to watch is Torrey Craig. Um, guys, been Former NBL player. Consistently. Really? Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, played over here. Played well, yeah. man been great to watch and you know Terrence Mann has been good to watch and Eric Gordon has had some great games Russell Westbrook like you said has been outstanding and look it is what it is the guy the guy puts his head down and goes hard you know people might not like the way he plays some people might like the way he plays um I don't think there's any story here the story is the guy's a basketball player and the guy plays well not to come defensively um, he's been good defensively he's played really yes well. he has yeah, he doesn't have good feel for the game, folks, like making passes and stuff, even though he's a big assist guy. That's one thing I've always thought of him. Like, he'll put his head down, go hard, but like the passes, where and when to throw him, all that. I mean, look, I'm not going to split hairs here. The guy's been phenomenal in the series. He's, I mean, he's really, you know, put them sort of, you know, kept them in in the series with the with those injuries. And I'll tell you who's played well too is Norman Powell. He's been fun to watch. But and look, you, I got to give a lot of credit to the Clippers. Like without those two guys, imagine most NBA teams. You go down the rosters, right? You go down the the starting fives. You take the top two players off, you know, any team in the NBA, and imagine them staying in games against a team like Phoenix. You know, it's it's really hard to do, and those guys have done that, and they've stayed in it. They're not going to win, in my opinion. Obviously, I don't think they're going to win this, but um, they my hat's off to them. They played hard. They're competing. They just don't have enough. They don't have closers. They got good players. That's when in the NBA, Bogues, that's the difference between you're a good NBA player when you're an absolute motherfucker and a closer. 
you know, those two guys, they got, they got two and a half closers on Phoenix. You know, they've got, you know, Durant and Booker and Paul at some points is really good player, but you need those guy, kind of guys to close out. That's why, like, you know, Brooklyn's got good players in the team. Bridges, you know, they're fun to watch, dim-witted, but those guys aren't closers. They're good players to get you to a certain point, but you need those you need those great players. And that's what that's what Phoenix has. They've got good role players to spread you out, and they got two guys that they can go to, you know, and that that could just sort of carry him. And do you think? Yeah, that's, that's here's a question for you. Do you think the current Clippers roster without uh, without Kawhi and PG could beat Minnesota in a seven game series right now? Could they beat Minnesota? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so for sure. because you said that, this is the thing when you when you load manage in a season, this is where your seed can become important because if they actually played Kawhi and Paul all season. I have no doubt they'd be probably a top two or three seed, right? That's fair to assert. Sure. Yes. So then you put yourself in a position that if you do have an injury in the playoffs, I know we like to go the counter argument of like you need to, you need to be healthy in the playoffs. What about this argument? Right. If you give yourself a good seed, you can buy insurance to be against a bad team. Kawhi's knee swells up. Maybe it's maybe it's only a ten day injury, and then he's back for the next round. So there's that argument as well, and it's a, a lots a lots of coin flip in these in these games. So. You know, now now the situation is they they're not going to get none of them back, and they're playing against the you know they dropped to the fifth seed, and because they load managed, and it's it's a tough one. Folks, I want all the medical directors in the NBA to sit down, and I want to have an open forum, and I want them to explain, you know, because again, I, I'd rather go to experts, right? And that's what they are. I want them to explain why you need to load manage as much as you do. And with all the stuff that we have in the game today, you know, the travel, the machines, the extra staff, all this stuff. Home and homes now, right? Like they do the, the, you go on road trips now, you play two games. Everything for the player. And then why in the 80s and the 90s that they didn't load manage? Is it luck? Is it because of all the AU these kids play growing up now, and they play a lot more games than those guys did, and they're and, you know they've got worse bodies coming into the league that those guys did, even though they have all these trainers and stuff? I don't know. I would like well, the pace is faster. Every- you have to say the pace is faster. The pace is okay. astronomically faster. Yeah. So that's that's definitely one thing. Could you say it's more physical? I think the athletes more physical, the rules you could argue because I think the 90s was a more physical officiated game, but I definitely think the wear and tear of the speed of the sheer speed and velocity of the game today is infinitely greater than it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right? So that's one argument you, you know, can definitely make. Folks, that's a good argument too. And I'm not saying this to be sarcastic for once. You know, I'm not a being a sarcastic prick for once in my life. I'm actually want an answer because I've never really sat down with an expert and asked and talked. And we obviously we have we all have our you know theories on it. And, and you know, I li- I like to discuss it with anybody, but I don't know why. That's actually a really good one. The pace of the game. Even though I, I never really taken that into account, and I don't know why. But then you counter but, that yeah. with you counter that with what you said. There's better shoes. They're not playing in Chuck Taylors. There's better flooring that's softer. There's ice bars. There's masseuse. So you, you, maybe it maybe it evens out. Who knows? But the you know the game definitely is faster. It's it's a tough one. But it, it goes back to my point. It's like this whole all in for load management. Yes, I get it to an extent, but. I think this this somehow hurts the Clippers because they could they could have bought it 
two-week period of playing a yeah. shitty playing team, getting through that series, even if it was a seven-gamer, and then maybe your star and at least PG's back next round potentially, right? Like so, the the, the, the management stuff's hurt him, and I think that's that's the narrative that no one talks about is like, yeah, you know, this whole this whole world of we don't care about our seeds, we'll just get through. Your seed matters. You know, for a team like Golden State, your your seed could matter now if you can't win a game on the road. Your seed could matter if you're, you know, one of these top teams and you have an injury, right? And and that's the that's the thing in the playoffs. You you have an injury to one of your star players, like you said, a closer, you can't score late in games. I mean, fifty one games, boats a guy played, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and again, I didn't pay attention to them, so I don't know if he had any setbacks in his injury stuff. You know, I don't even know if he started the season on time. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not paying attention to that. But, like, imagine if he played 65 game, right, and Paul George played 65. Now, Paul George got hurt at the end of the year, didn't he? I think he did actually get hurt. Mm-hmm. These weren't all load management misses of games. But he misses 26 games. The other guy misses 31. Um, that's a big That's a big, That's a a big. big hit. <clears throat> so, you're right. Like, seeding does matter. And, look, you know, this is just where, where the NBA is at today. Right, you're gonna you're gonna load manage. No one's ever gonna like say, no, I want to play as many games as possible. That's just superstar wise. That's just not gonna happen. And your medical team's not gonna let that happen. But I think that at some point you got to meet it in the middle. Say, look, we're gonna rest you a certain amount of games, but this tomfuckery of you know resting guys for thirty games or so. I mean, that's that's extreme, especially when you rest in your top two, and you know you, you rest your top two like that, or maybe you like play one and don't play the other. And instead of like, they did that. A lot of times they that's, what, that's what they were doing. And they, they did that yeah. last season and this season they've done that and rested both at the same time. It's like, how yeah. do you learn how to play together? How do you, there's not enough time. We know yeah. the NBA teams don't practice anymore. And I've been a big advocate of like, no. I think the Clippers will not win a championship because they just don't have enough reps together. And they just don't, all of a sudden, you take one of those guys out. Now, Eric Gordon, Powell, these guys are feeling good about themselves. They're getting 25 minutes. Then both of them play, they're only getting 13 minutes. You know, like those things matter for your bench, not so much for your the star player, but it's a domino effect of when they're both playing, that's two guys shorter in the rotation that were feeling good about themselves the last 20 games. So, what I mean, it's conversation what do you we've do, had. Bones? It's tough. I mean, what do you I, do I, look, I'm all, I'm all for load management to, to, to in, in the high 60s, low 70s. Like, hey, we've got four and five. We're going to rest you one of these four and five nights. Get it. Totally get it. But it's like you could see Tehran lose frustration at that press conference towards the end of the season when their seeding was going up and down because it's like I'm at the I'm at the peril of my trainers. They're telling me what to do. I'm a coach. I want to play him, but eh, they're telling the load management and we're saving him for the playoffs. Well, he's got hurt in the playoffs now anyway, so you got no insurance. But we've we've gone on about this for the whole season, and it's just like it is what it is. Do you keep those guys, folks? That's the other question I was going to ask. It's like, what do you do if you're Obama? What do you do if you're the Clippers? Are you going to roll a dice again on two guys as your max guys that are load managed to the death and then are still getting hurt? You know, and I'm not judging them getting hurt. I was hurt a lot of my career. Like, I'm not. The, the, I don't want people thinking like, "Oh, that's hypocritical." No, I'm just saying, do do you keep that squad together? I don't think so. I think it, you're going to probably have to move on from it. You got it hasn't worked. It's a fail experiment. What are we going into year? Is it year four with them next season or three? 
I think three. Four. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, maybe you roll the dice and then make it, you probably give it to the deadline. Maybe that's best case. I'd, I'd say, all right, we're going to roll a dice to the deadline and we're not doing this load management overkill. We're going to manage it nicely. You're going to have a game or two off every now and then, and that's it. We're going to push it and see how we go. We're going to roll the dice on this thing. But other than that, if there's pushback of that, then I'll just move the guys and start rebuilding. You know, they've got, they've got some good young pieces, Terrence Mann and whatnot. And, just, just maybe keep one of the stars, move the other one, get some young, young second tier stars, and 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 go on with it. But um, yeah, the Clippers is, it's going to be a great case study into the load management for the future. I think where you know everyone expected them to at least nab one championship by now, or at least be in, in a championship game, and they they haven't been close. But uh, moving on from that, let's go to the East and Conference. Uh, Atlanta, Boston had this at four one pre series. It's currently at three one. Boston just stole game four in Atlanta. Celtics just too deep and balanced. Uh, they they have a lot of weapons. Um, they've they've done they've done really really well with just the way they have different guys step up at different moments. Obviously Tatum and Brown are the two headed snake for them scoring wise, but Brogdon and Wide and and you know Marcus Smart. They just got they're deep, talented, smart team. I, I really enjoy the way they go about it. Uh, they've got a, a lot of toughness about them. That's often not spoken about as much as it should be. They've got some tough guards. And they've got guys that are happy in their roles. Brogdon, White, these guys can come off the bench, can start, can play 30, can play 20. Not too much complaining in that locker room, which is great to see. So currently 3-1, as I said. Trey Young, look, uh, where Atlanta go with him, who knows? There's rumors that they might move him. Um, he's, as of post-game four, he's 37 for, for 88 from the field. 10 assists to four turnovers a game. I just don't think that gets it done from your star. And, you know, people want to compare him to to Steph and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's a light years away from being compared to Steph, in my opinion. I think he's a very talented guard, can get hot, can have those games where, he, where he's 40, 50. But defense has a lot left to be desired. That's been exposed in this playoff series like it does in most playoff series. If you, if you don't guard even at an average level, they're going to find you and put you in all the action. They're doing that. And that 37 for 88, he needs to get that up to – you know, mid to high forties to be respectable and, and ten assists to turn it to, to four turnovers. Not horrendous. And, you know, two and a half to one, but it's it's not great neither pro. So I, I think um Atlanta gonna have some questions in the future. But yeah, this one I had four one, currently three one. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, same here, Bogues. I mean, look, the the, the Celtics are just a that much better team, right? Look, talking about a team that it didn't mess up in the last month of the season or so, they probably would have been the one seed. And, you know, they've got they play together, they've got players that are just solid. They've got two they got two closers on the team in Tatum and Brown. And any type of run that the Atlanta makes, one of those two guys touch it and it's just a play. They just make a play. And those guys just know how to do it. They're that good. Um they got great role players. They got, you know, Robert Williams has been playing, you know, has been playing throughout the whole series. So, you know, that's been a plus for them because they really haven't had him consistently throughout the year because of injury. Brogdon's just doing his thing. Um, you know, it, it just, they just play, they move the ball, they play well. You know, Derek White has been uh, unbelievable for them the last couple of years since they acquired him last season at the trade deadline. And they just play well. Um, for Atlanta, I'm moving on from Trey Young. I've, t- I've said that for a while now. I'm just like, look, Whatever you want to do, you know, whatever you can get, let's just move on. It's just, uh, it's not working. You know, it's wishful thinking to try to get him into the 40s. He's just not, you know, it's sort of like a, a James Harden situation where you really think, you know, 
James Harden's an unbelievable shooter, but no, he's not. He's an unbelievable scorer that shoots average percentages, you know, from the three. And the same thing with Trey, he shoots in the mid thirties. That's what he does, you know, mid to, you know, maybe a, a nudge over mid thirties. He's just not consistent like that. And then you you factor in that, and then the lack of leadership stuff about being introverted to himself. You know, tough with coaches. You now I think Quinn Snyder could probably mend the fence a little bit there, but I just think that. Look, this team's been together for you know for a little bit. Trey Young's been there for a long time, you know, probably what going on five years now, and I don't know if that's well. I guess that's a long time in today's NBA, but you know, I like Murray, I like Hunter, I like Bogdanovich. Capella does his thing. I'm not a huge Collins fan, but he's okay. But I just think they got to move on and and just you know, I'd I'd keep a couple of guys and just try to move on, see what you get from Trey. I'm sure you can get a lot of good stuff as far as. Yeah, I don't know what you want to do. I mean, this team has been trying to flip something for a while. I guess they got a new GM. They could afford to flip it if they want to and just try to rebuild it. But I like Mario. I like, you know, you can get him for you know decent money. Like I said, I like the guys that they have. You know, I, I just think they got to move on from Young. I think you can move on from Collins. Try to get what you can get. I don't. I, I bet you can get a bunch of picks and things for them and just sort of or another a disgruntled you know a disgruntled veteran. I don't know what you want. You know, do you do you try to make a, a run for Kyrie, you know, in, in with the sign and trade and you trade, you know, give him Trey Young and something else? I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't really love how this roster is constructed. I think they got to move on from it. Um, but the Celtics, I think they're they're going to be a tough they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I don't I don't see a team in the East right now, especially if Giannis isn't going to be healthy consistently. I, don't, I really don't see a team that could stop them in the East, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they're going to be tough. And Milwaukee banged up right now, but uh, Boston cruising through. So I'm looking forward to seeing them in the next round. I think they cruise through to conference finals, in my opinion. Milwaukee versus Miami had this at 4-2 pre the series, believe it or not, uh, for Milwaukee. Because I just thought Miami historically have been pretty grindy versus Milwaukee. They've, they've done a pretty good job against Giannis. Um, and I like that Miami organization as far as preparing for games. So I thought they'd still lose the series, but I thought they'd make it a, a grind. Since then, Giannis has, has gotten hurt on, on a charge player. Hurt his back came down very hard. The series has kind of been bipolar. It's a series of swings at the minute, and we're seeing that. So it gets a game one. Miami's still game one with 130 to 117 uh, victory in Milwaukee. They come back and get pummeled. It finished 138 to 122, but the, the lead was much bigger than that and garbage time got it a bit closer. And then you go to game three and Miami win 121 to 99. So in Miami, been real swingy. Uh, Middleton leading the charge for the Bucs. He's at 24, six and five, or just under six a game. Jimmy Butler averaging 30 and six assists. He's been huge. And are you concerned here for Milwaukee at all, Pro? I mean, it all, all does lie on... Giannis um, and and his availability. I've kind of jumped online and try to find whether we get any answers. But it's for everyone out there, you're not going to find anything for any player that's hurt in the playoffs because it becomes a you know a chess game. Teams will don't want to release stuff. They don't want teams to prepare or they'll lie about stuff. So unless you know someone close to to it, you're not going to really get an answer. But do you think um, do you think Milwaukee has anything to be concerned about? Huge concern, Bogues. I, I, I think obviously you can get through the series without him. You might even be able to get to this, you know, through the second round without him. You know, I don't. Even though Middleton's been playing well, scoring the ball, 
I hate that fucking term, scoring the ball. It's almost as bad as space and pace. You know, what the fuck else are you going to score with? I hate when coaches say that. You can really score the ball. See what happens when I fucking watch YouTube's bugs. I pick up bad fucking habits. No, but he scored well, but like, I don't like how he's scoring. He's over dribble, dribble, like he's really forcing it. But, you know, look, him and him and Holiday are sort of the only guys that could really score. Portis, you know, Portis could give you some good effort. Grayson Allen, you know, Lopez, what have you. But, you know, without without your stud, without your real closer and and Giannis, it's going to be really hard to win high level games. And like I said, you could probably get through the next series, but I think it's going to be really hard for them uh, to go anything further than that without without Giannis. And I don't know the extent of the injury; it's tough. I know there's been a lot of debate about charge calls and what you do with them and. I didn't see. I don't think it was overly dirty. What happened? To be honest, it's just one of those things, freak, you know, freak injuries, and um, it's really unfortunate to see because you want to see stars in this. But I would definitely say there's something to worry about if I'm Milwaukee. Like I said, long term in the playoffs, I think um, it's just next man up, you know. And you know, Portis is going to have to play a, a really big role, a big jump in his role. Lopez is going to have to step his game up a little bit. He's been a scorer his whole life, you know, before he got to you know, Milwaukee, obviously he had to take a little bit of a backseat. So I think he could score. He could shoot the ball and, and do this, do his thing. But this is where like, you got to stay ready as a role player because you never know, you know, when role players call me when they're frustrated about not playing minutes consistently, I always say, look, you know, the regular season, the playoffs, they're long periods of time. Anything can happen. Guy can get cold. Guy can get hurt. You got to be ready physically and mentally. That's why you can't check out because you never know when your number is going to be called. And this is big for free agency and value in the league to be able to step up beyond your role when you're asked to. So it'll be interesting. Prime to see. example. They do. D- Duncan Robinson. He's Yeah. He's back, he's back in the lineup. I don't know if you saw, pro Game three. Uh, he had 20 points, five for six from three in 24 minutes. So that, that goes exactly to what you were just talking about. He's a guy that was in the doghouse for most of the season, hadn't played much, and he played a, a few garbage games towards the end of the season. And he's in, he's back in the rotation. He played 24 minutes last game, 26 before that, and six minutes in the first game. So he's found his way. Like you said, next man up mentality. They've had some injuries. Hero was in and out. Um, so that's been you know really good for Miami. But – I mean, that whole charge thing, I don't know who the journalist was saying they need to ban the charge call. Or well, it's like, yeah, that's, that, that's called football. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, yeah. it's part of the game. I mean, I'm a, am I a fan of the, what the charge circle has brought? That's probably not because you do have players trying to step out of that circle, which therefore makes you undercut a player. But yeah, it also puts an emphasis on your Jamarants and Giannis's of the world. If you're going to go like a bat out of hell downhill – well, that's a risk you take. So I, I, it wasn't. I don't think it was dirty neither. But whoever that that person was asking for the charge call, we've already eradicated the travel call and the carry call in the NBA. <laughs> you want to eradicate another rule call? So absolutely despicable. Like, there's you know, I'm all good for physicality, but if you're just going to run someone over to score the basketball, that's not a basketball player. The beauty of the game is going around and using your brain. The concern I have for Giannis is, that as a guy that's had back injuries, even when you're back fit to play, you're not fit to play. And the way yeah. he the way he plays the game, a back injury is the worst injury to have um, because he's left right, he's euroing, he's up mm-hmm. and down, he's windmilling like he's, and that's debilitating. If you're back at eighty percent, 
and he speeds off like even 10%, it can change a lot. So I think I don't think Milwaukee's in, in trouble to where I'm panicking, but it's 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 starting to become borderline. This game four is the biggest game of their season. Um obviously anyone with half a brain that follows the NBA knows that. But you hope to see Giannis back and, and see them push because I think when they're healthy, they're, they're a legitimate championship team and you don't want to see that taken away a la, you know, kind of what the Clippers have gone through, you know, not being at full strength. But, um, yeah, I think this is going to go uh, to seven now, uh, regardless if, if if Giannis is back or not. Uh, I think it's going to go seven and I think Milwaukee will still get it 4-3 if I have to pick today. And, I, cause the, and I'm banking on Giannis coming back for game 4-5-6 or 5-6-7. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And it's terrible to see Oladipo getting hurt again and tearing his patella and being out for the season, man. A wet spot, yeah, right? Is, yeah. I, I didn't really see it. I just read about yeah, it. I saw it. I, I didn't it's a wet watch spot. that game. I've known him since he was in Indiana. Um, I actually went out to – their basketball camp when he was still at Indiana and, um, and, you know, spent some time with him out there and sort of talked to him a little bit as I saw him throughout the league, throughout the years. And it's a great dude, man. He works hard. He's a guy that, you know, does, does things the right way, really puts in a lot of work, you know, sort of old school mentality and just one of those guys that just can't stay healthy, but and it's demoralizing because he's been through so many injuries, so many knee injuries. I don't know if it's the same knee, what have you, but like he's been through it. And look, we've all been through those players who've been continuously hurt and they have to put all that work just to get back and to see them get hurt again like that is, you know, it's not, it's it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's the bad part of the sport that we don't like to see. And you never like to wish that on our worst enemy. So, um, you know, I hope, Hope he, you know, he sees some light with this and, you know, probably obviously takes the hit here for a little bit, but then gets back on the horse and see if he gets through and go through, go through the pain of the, the rehab process, man. But mm-hmm. tough to see. And, you know, it's tough for Miami because now they got Tyler Hero out and him and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost, it's probably almost going to be impossible for them to really, you know, to really make a jump in the series. But, you know, it is what it is, man. Well, it's just, just the way the game is. So, yeah, we'll That's go forward it. with it. Injuries are part of it. All right, next one is Philly and Brooklyn, 4-0 sweep for Philly. Um, expected to, to an extent. I mean, I wasn't too high. I think Brooklyn play hard. They had a chance to win a few of these games. I think two and three, was it? I think, if I remember correctly. That that, that a chance and they just let, let, it, let it slip. But um, I think Maxi was huge in this series. I think he was there almost their MVP, in my opinion, of this series. As far as clutch buckets mm-hmm. go and big shots late, he was 21 points a night, 5.5 rebounds. I feel like Embiid's the same old story. I feel like he's tired himself out chasing that MVP in the regular season. I really do. I think kind of the contra of the load management, I think he really was obviously pushing for that. He had a, he had an okay series. He had a really big game in game two, I think it was, with, with almost 20 and 20. But not a great series compared to his regular season numbers, and he's broken down with some soreness. So – It'll be interesting to see how that that goes. Now they have swept, so they'll get some rest going into the, into the next round. But um, look, Philly were they weren't over overwhelmingly dominant in this series. I wouldn't say as as much as it was four zero, but they had lulls in games similar to what we're seeing with Denver and Minnesota. But to be expected, I mean, I had, I had this one at four one. I thought Brooklyn would at least get one game, but they didn't. They're out in straight sets. Um, but Maxi, I think he's going to come down to being, we know what Harden and Embiid bring, but Maxi's that, that third of that big three that can have really big nights for him, bro. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. With you know, those, he doesn't have as much experience in the playoffs that an Embiid or a Harden has. You know, and, but he he's very much needed to be that third guy, and that's where we're talking about closers, right? You know, guys that can handle it. They're gonna teams are gonna do the best job ever to try to take the ball out of Embiid and Harden's hands, and to you know throw multiple players at him, force him to rotate out of it, and then have other people beat you. And they're going to be tough to stop. Now, I know I said that Boston's going to go through the East. There's not a lot of teams, especially if, if Giannis is going to be injured you know, or, or ineffective or not as effective because of the back. But I'll tell you what, they could spread you out if, if Embiid can come back with a sprained knee. But, I mean, they spread you out pretty well with you know hitting you with Embiid, Harden, Maxi, and, and Tobias Harris, who is a professional scorer. And... They're tough. They're tough to stop, and they got good role players. They're tough. Um, I like Doc as a coach, um, so I think that they're they're going to be tough to stop. And you know, like like you said, Embiid's a little, probably a little bit tired, you know, from from the MVP push at the end of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, as far as Brooklyn's concerned, I think it's a good way to evaluate their roster, see where they're at. You know, like you got, you know, obviously Bridges, Johnson, and Dinwiddie are their top three. Then you got a chance to evaluate Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit. Didn't have a great year after the trade, but obviously he's a good piece. Royce O'Neal, you know, you got to figure out what we're going to do going forward. Cam Thomas, I thought they had a chance to win a game, like you said, but um, just, again, not that player that you could just go to. I think Bridges and Johnson, Dinwiddie are all really good complementary players playing off of superstars. I don't think that those guys can carry a good team, a playoff team. And no offense to them, they're good players, but there's just a difference between guys. Like we talk about Maxi, right? Maxi wasn't one of those guys, but he's developed into one of those guys. And it's real, it's... You know, it's not for everybody. You know, it's, there's a difference between putting up points and being a guy who can carry a team. And that's that's the big difference there. So, um, yeah, going forward. But with the Philly, I think they're going to be tough to stop. They they will be a tough out. Um, I don't know the bracket, Bogues. So they will have to play, what, Boston next series? Yeah, the Boston. winner of Boston. They're, they're oh, getting, that's tough. They're, they're, they're not, yeah, they're not getting through Boston. Not, not in my opinion. We'll no. do those previews that later on in the week, but they're yeah, Boston. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I agree mm. with that. I, it would have been fun to see them try to get to the conference final, get a little bit of steam you know, if they win the next series to, to get to Boston. But yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, Boston is going to be a really tough out for them. They are. They're going to be very, very tough. And, and you, you, you forgot to uh, – you left out Ben Simmons, by the way, as part of your Brooklyn reevaluation. Just an FYI for, no. for the next episode. We, we don't need to comment on it. We don't need to comment on it. <laughs> Let's move on to New no. York. Let's end our streak. Let's end our streak about talking about Ben Simmons. Okay. I wish him all the best with his rehab. Hopefully, he comes back strong. New York, Cleveland. I've got. I picked this one as four three New York before the season before the series started. Uh, we're currently at. It's two one, isn't it, Pro? Um, as we Which as we speak. Box? So New York, Cleveland. Oh. Yeah, New York Cleveland. It's it's uh game so it's three one, right? Because New York won today. Is it three one? Oh sorry, yeah, they won this morning. You're right. Yep, yep, correct. I had three one on my sheet, but um, yeah, it is three one. It is three one. So doesn't look like it's gonna go seven. Uh but this is a nineties yeah type grind series. Um this is physical, it's ugly, it's not fit for TV. They need to put an adult content warning when you watch it because it could put this put the kids to sleep and bore them to death. But 
Donovan Mitchell struggled the last couple of games. Brunson's been very key for him, obviously. Like we've, we've spoken so highly about that acquisition by the Knicks. They should be commended for that. Josh Hartpro, 13 points, 6.7 rebounds, 1.5 steals, and 5 for 9 from 3 for the series. Huge acquisition. Uh, we've been very glowing about him. He's He's been a, a big key factor for them. Very good defensively. A, a lot of second chance efforts by him. Uh, does a great job for them. But um, – not a pretty series. Not a series you want to sit down and watch every game forty-eight minutes for, uh, especially when you come from a, a Sacramento, you know, one of the Sacramento Golden State game or you know um, something like that, and you, you go over to that series or Clippers Phoenix. You go to that and you're just like, ugh, or yuck, what is going on? But um, yeah, I think this one will end with I picked the Knicks in seven. They're probably going to do it sooner than that, I think. But it is the Knicks, so you never know. They, they always have time to choke when it's three-one. But I, I don't see them losing the series from here, pro. Yeah, I don't see it. It's an ugly series. Um, it really is. Like, and you know, Donovan Mitchell has been scoring, but it's still like shooting thirty from the three, forty-three from the field. You know, Garland has been ugly in his game, just like ISO, ISO, ISO. You know, trying to take take tough shots. I don't even know about ISO him, but just taking tough shots, and you know, try to get more out of Mobley. They just really haven't had anyone that's like completely stepped up. I mean, you have a couple of guys scoring 20 plus, but just really hasn't been it for the Knicks. Obviously it's been dominated by Brunson. Julius Randle has been very underwhelming. Um, I'm not a huge RJ Barrett fan. I think he's skilled, but they, you know, they don't, they just don't have enough shooting. They need that shooting. And, you know, look, Brunson, you know, Brunson can shoot, obviously Uh, he hasn't shot it well this series, but you know, Brunson could be a deep ball threat. Of all people, Josh Hart shooting 55 from the three. So it's like the fucking twilight zone in that series. Um, but look, it's 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 great to see if New York could pull it out. But I just don't see them, you know, going anything, you know, going much forward than just winning. I, I don't think they could, you know, really give Milwaukee a series with or without Giannis. But who knows? Um, I just, it's an ugly series, man. It's just not... It's just pound, 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 tough shot, pound, 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 tough shot. And then just guys just aren't making shots. So, you know, it's just one of those series, like you said, it's not fit for TV. That's to be expected. Yeah. To be expected. They don't really have any – each team has a couple of stars that can get hot, um, Brunson, Mitchell, Garland, Randall. But, you know, Randall's kind of grindy for his buckets. Mitchell can be the same, uh, so it, it was never going to be a pretty series a la the Kings and, and the Warriors, but we will see how that goes, and, and the Knicks should should take that one down pretty pretty convincingly in game four, or four. Sorry, in game five or six, I think they should get it done. All right, moving on from the playoff stuff. Uh, took a little bit longer than expected, sorry, but uh, we missed last week's, uh, thanks to that micro SD, so blame that. Awards, Defensive Player of the Year, um, Jaron Jackson Jr., well-deserved pro, yes or no? Yeah. No, great. I mean, look, he's he's been a very good defender all year. He's been solid, um, really stepping his game up in that direction. I mean, that and you know puts his team in position to win. I think he's he's developed him to be a, a, a high level defender. Um, definitely, definitely well deserved. Yep, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, six man. I think we both agree that was the right right decision. One of the best teams in the league. He's come off and played a sensational role. Yeah, for sure. Brogdon's really played his role. I mean, it's really hard to go from that. I wouldn't call him even close to a superstar when he was in Milwaukee and Indiana, but I mean, he was Indiana's probably number one option when he was there. And to go from there, traded to Boston and being a, a second unit guy, not a lot of people really take that, you know, take that like 
you know, to embrace a role like that. But played at Virginia, got a chance to meet him, spend some time with him when he was in Vegas for summer league and, uh, you know, Gergerich's camp. Great guy. If anyone's going to really, uh, you know, embrace that role and be a guy like him, you know, um, he's been great for Boston. He's been, he's been, you know, sensational in that role. So, yeah, and uh, another award well-deserved. They got it. They got another one right. Yeah, Mike Brown, we both had him as coach of the year, well-deserved. I think unanimous uh, as well, so much deserved. Um, they're playing good basketball right now, the chance to win. We don't need to get into that one. And just finally, clutch points of the year, Pro. I totally forgot they'd even do this one. But uh, De'Aaron Fox, most clutch points in the regular season, 194. Number two, DeMar DeRozan. 159, and number three, Jimmy Butler, 151 clutch points. So I think they determined that as, is it under four minutes in a close game, I think? Something like that, Pro? Four minutes and under, yes, that's clutch points. Is it, definitely? Or are you just guessing? Uh, I'm guessing. It's either under four, under five. Hold on. What? Here, five minutes, yep. Scored in the last five minutes of a game five. when a team is ahead or behind by less than five points. So... We were close. You were pretty convincing there, but I kind of I know you too well, bro. Not too convincing. All right, moving on to some news. We'll plow through these ones because we're at an hour already. Mavs fine 750k. Uh, NBA has stated their actions undermine the integrity of our sport. They failed our league and fans. Do you agree with the fine? Do you think more should have been done? I don't really agree with the fine. I think because of fucking all the teams doing it, I do agree the fact that they should have got fined something because everybody had a different fucking story in the organization talking about it. Like Jay Kidd, when he was interviewed, he was saying something about it. Not like, just like they didn't get their story straight. You know, everybody should have been huddled in the corner. Look, this is what we're doing. Telling the players, look, this is what we're doing. Everybody has the same story. So like when you ask it, you don't look like you're completely doing it. I, I I don't think they should have been fine, to be honest with you, because every team does it and they got a chance to get a generational player. You know, I, I'm not a big – it's the last game of the year. No one gave a fuck. That team was like the Titanic at the end of the year. Like, I don't th- – I'm not a big fan of it, but I, I think how they botched it as far as, like, the personnel talking about it and players and everybody was on a different page about it. So, yeah, I mean, they should have got to find something, but whatever. It's just hypocritical because why aren't they breaking, you know, breaking everybody else's balls for doing it throughout the whole year? But what are you going to do? I got a solution like your insurance package for the, oh, the tickets insurance. that we did a month ago. Yeah, I've got a solution. So let's say I think you you lose 10 spots on your pick if you tank. So if you so if the Mavs do get number 10, mm-hmm. they swap with whoever's 20 and 20 get, 20 get uh, rewarded for actually trying to win. <laughs> So or five spots or ten spots. So you're yeah, you're not so. going you're not going um eleven gets ten and they get twenty and everybody moves down. You're just flopping tw- ten and twenty. I'm straight swapping it. Wow. Because generally someone in the twenty someone in twenty is is a team that's actually trying to win. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just let's just roll the dice, coin flip it. Ten goes so, to like whatever pick you are. Yep. You, you lose 10 spots from wherever you are. So if, you, if you're going to get the first pick, you move to 10 so, if you're going to blatantly tank. So, if it's that, that blatant, that, that was ridiculous. It was, it, was, it was bad, bro. That shouldn't be allowed. Like, I know every team does it, and it's like, oh, we can do it subtly. Nah, if, even if you do it subtly from now on, you lo- you, you, your pick's going down a number of spots. So, it is H- so then all of a sudden – so, hmm? ru- so when H-Bob buys a league to compete with the NBA and he makes you commissioner, this is what you're doing. You're doing the, the Bogues – Tank swap. That's your rule. Well, 
in the NBA, I would, but my, if I was a brand new league commissioner, I would actually have playoffs for picks. So I would actually have my bottom bottom ten would play off the number one pick. Huh. Okay. And I think that's fair because they're all they're all on the they're all on the bottom tier of the league, our bottom ten teams, mm-hmm. and they go play off play maybe an NCAA style. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do, but they they play off for that pick and they just get the right to it. So it just stops teams from blatantly being bad and resting guys. No, you're going to play off. You're going to play game 83 and 84 going to be for our pick order, right? We know where the lottery is. Play it off that so, way because then at least it keeps it competitive. It's to be honest with somewhat you, what they're doing with the, with, with the playing. Bogues, you're yeah. right. But I would have fined the Clippers about $28 million for what they did this year. So, like, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> So it was blatant that they did that. But, like, the Clippers did that shit all year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, they weren't tanking. They were resting for the playoffs. Yeah. But. They need to do something about it, but the blatant tanking, I just got no time for. When it's that bad, you got fans paying for these tickets. People actually, you know, people betting on game. Like it's just, it's 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 not good, in my opinion. All right, moving on. Zion Williamson, um, Pelicans GM, said a big part is on him, and um, that was in reference to that was the headline. Uh, Zion was never medically cleared to play after he injured his hamstring. Uh, for anyone who watched closely, it was cl- he was clearly out of shape. We saw the photo in uh, he was before a game dressed in street clothes. We can con- both confirm. Even Pro was like, "Whoa, that guy's big." Mm. So that tells you a lot. That's tough. Uh, asked about Zion's availability issues, David Griffin said, "I think a big part is on him. I think there is a lot he can do to get better, and he would, I think, tell you that. I think we need to do a better job examining the whole situation, top to bottom, and a little bit better. This." Is I think the smoke's starting, pro. Um, I'm not sure how you read into this, but this is the first time the Pelicans have actively. I want to say it's a huge pushback, but they've actually gone contra Zion publicly to an extent and actually put it on him. So I think the messaging around Zion wanted to play, but the team didn't let him. That's from Team Zion and his camp, so he doesn't get public flack. It was clear as day he couldn't play. He was he was well over 300 pounds. Carrying an injury, Pelicans couldn't play him. But this is the start. We haven't we haven't seen this historically with the Pelicans, where they've actually actively came out and you know publicly made comment about him um, in fear of him losing, leaving, and whatnot. They've locked him up on a long term contract. But keep an eye on these people. I think in the next year or two, there could be a high chance Zion is out of there. Um, and I, I'm for it. I've been big on it. I, th- I just don't think you know he fits with what they're trying to rebuild there. He's a once in a generation, once in a generation athlete specimen, like just unbelievable. Great player when he's out there, but they watching them in the playoffs too, bro. They had two different styles of play within the same team. They had a run and gun lineup that was amazing to watch, long, athletic run and gun, and then their CJ Valanciunas lineup was Cleveland, New York series esque. It was amazing to watch the disparity of styles within the same team, and I think they need to go you know, that run and gun style. And I think Zion fits that, but he's just never healthy. So I, I don't know how you feel, but reading between the lines, bro, I think that the, the fact that they've commented publicly, they're starting to get a bit of bones about them to say, well, we're going to start pushing back against our star, knowing that this could backfire, but they probably don't really, I'd say probably not overly worried about the backfiring long-term, bro. You know what, Bogues, like as a professional athlete, as someone who's trying to be a great player, right? He's not a great player yet, but he's trying to be. And is get trying to get to there, like you gotta you gotta take some ownership about what how you approach the game, and he's just not he like he's literally stealing his money, you know. Coming from someone who's a fat fuck myself, 
you got to like think about it at night. Do I crush eight bowls of cereal after I worked out today or do I just like go to sleep hungry? And look, he, he's got to take ownership for this. I agree with them. Look, this isn't, I, I always take the, I, I take the mantra. I take the stance for every player that I've ever worked with. I will have your back up and down until you give me a reason not to. And I'm sorry. He's not in shape. He's never been in shape. He's been in shape maybe one time in his career. All right? He's got to take ownership and be like, look, if I want to be a great player, because I don't think he impacts winning at all. I think he puts up great numbers, and I think he's really hard to stop statistically. But I think, like, he doesn't really shoot it. He can't really go by a handling-wise. He's a load to handle inside. He's like Shaq, for sure, at six foot whatever he is, six foot six, six foot seven, whatever he is. But, like, he's got to take ownership as a pro, as someone who it's not everyone else's fault, dude. Like, you got to take ownership of his diet because that's why most fat guys never become skinny in this league because they just – they're just soft mentally where, look, I, I'm soft for food too, obviously. But like, it's just like, he's got to take ownership. He wants to be a great player, says all these things, all the right things. And he's a great kid. He's a great kid. He's not a bad guy. He's not an asshole. He's not any of that. You watch him in interviews. You watch him on the bench. He's a great teammate, great guy. But he needs to take ownership of this shit and say no more. You know how we talk about John Morant, about the gun shit and all that stuff? He's got to take ownership of that. Well, that's his gun stuff. That's the stuff that he's got to take ownership of and say, look, I got to get people around me that are going to fucking motivate me on top of myself. It's 85% him, right? 90% him. And then the enablers that take him to fucking In-N-Out Burger at 2 in the morning you don't need those guys. Fucking get your diet under control, dude. Because if you want to be a great player, you're just going to be some fat fucking player that gets out of the league because of injury issues because you can't stay in shape and you're just fucking overweight. Because you're a great kid, you're marketable, you're a, you know, you could be a really good player, but you've been hurt every fucking year of your career. Why? Because you're over fucking weight. And it's a shame. It really is. Because he's got everything. He's got he's got everything, but he can't get that diet under control. Bring him to a fat camp, fucking lock the cupboards at night, whatever the fuck you gotta do. All right. Put him in that It, it is hard too, bro. Being in an NBA locker room, as you know, yeah. there's food everywhere. Yeah. There is food it, like every corner you turn, there's a buffet there and there's a fruit plate and there's chips and then there's chocolates and then there's I'm, smoothies and then you get on the plane, it's the same shit and you're just like I'm gonna make this it, easy it for the sound. For I'm gonna make this easy for the sound guy. Cause I think this is gonna make social media. Here's what you do. Okay. Twenty-three hours a twenty-two and a half hours a day, you put him in the silence of the lambs fucking straitjacket. And you just wheel him around. <laughs> you let him out in practice and you put him back in the fucking silence of the lambs fucking straitjacket. That's the only way he's going to lose weight. Just keep him away from food. Forget about it. He's in the straitjacket for 22 and a half hours a day. That's the only way it's going to happen. And if they fucking do that, I want to. And look, and we, you know, this isn't coming from a bad place. You want him to yes. be in shape. You want him yes. to be, you know, uh, and pro, for, for everyone who doesn't know, before you accuse pro of fat shaming, Google a photo of Mike Procopio. So I think he's he's very well. I'm at 260. Uh, served I'm to five, speak, seven, on this, speak on this topic. I could yeah, speak he, on it. I could speak <laughs> on it. 
That's <laughs> and I'm telling you, they call your fucking name. Frosted Flakes at two in the morning calls my fucking name. Put him in the straight jacket. <laughs> I'm telling you, you 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 the guy. Get it right, on. Get it right. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a shame, yeah. and we'll see, we'll see. But I, if I'm the GM, I honestly look, I look to move him, and if he flourishes somewhere else, so be it. Because I think they're they're starting to build a squad with the length and athleticism they have in that lineup. So we'll see how that goes. This one was quick. We don't have to touch on these too much because we've got to play out through them. But um, Dan Lillard was on record saying he's not interested in a route of of drafting youth. He doesn't want to tank and go mm-hmm. go. Uh, into the into the young rebuild OKC type thing. Um, fair enough. So that first time he's been vocal about get me out of here if that's going to be what you want to do. He's never really been vocal about wanting to leave. This, I think, plays into he has been very pro Draymond Green on social media, even with the kick. Um, yeah. he, he made some posts about it, and I think he wants Draymond Green in Portland. And I think this is probably, you know, for those watching or listening, I think, Portland have a decision mate. Do we want to do we want to rebuild then Dame's out of here? But Dame said, you know, he loves DG mm-hmm. and Draymond Green has a team option that he can opt out of. Player option, sorry, they can opt out of. I would not be surprised if Portland bring Draymond Green in on a big contract to try and keep Dame Lillard. That's kind of my theory, pro. Yeah, I mean, it fits what's going on for sure, but to me, if I'm them, I I think look, Draymond I think Draymond fits in certain spots where he's got a lot of value. I do think Portland's one of those teams. And I think if Houston gets the French kid, if he gets Victor, that I would want to bring in Draymond Green to clean some shit up there to get, A, some guy who's going to protect him, and B, a guy who's going to clean some of the young stuff up. But we'll go back to Portland. Yeah, I could sort of see that for sure. But if I'm them, that's not really getting you over the hump. Like, I, I think that you'll be better for sure. And But what is that? What what is that? Does that put you in the plan? Does that put? Oh, you- you're not. My argument is you're not. You're not getting them over the hump. Yeah. No, I don't think Draymond's getting to a championship. Do you want to keep Dame? Yeah. That's that's the question it comes down to for Portland. If you want to keep Dame Lillard, you got to bring in a Draymond Green free agency and probably another another substar mm-hmm. and show Dame that you're interested about continuing to try to win, mm-hmm. or you draft youth and he leaves. That's that's kind of why I think this could happen. Yeah, I I'm predicting that Dame's going to end up in Philly for Maxi and something else, Tobias Harris and something else. That's what I'm predicting because I think that obviously Philly probably not going to have enough, you know, to win a championship, whatnot. They're going to want to make some moves. And the one of two moves that they can make is dealing for Dame. And I think for Portland, like you could either go totally young and, and trade them to a, a mid a mid range team or whatever for a bunch of picks, or you can get Maxi, who's a good young player that's not a superstar yet, but on his way to being a really good player. And so you have a bunch of time and you could build it through, through any other young player that you have, you know, Simons and whatnot, you could deal grant, you know, and get something back there. I think they're going to deal them either there, Miami, one of those places. But I, I think that one of the two places that they'll deal them is that. So I don't know what you do. I think you should deal them. Um, and just like put this thing out of its misery, just so to speak. But Draymond Green would it be like if you want to keep Dame, there's not many moves that they can make, you know. And I think that that's one move you could make. I'm not a fan of it. I just think you should deal the guy. I think he's been there a long time. He's been one of the most, I told you, one of the most loyal superstars to his own city. But I just think that it's run its course. Let's, you know, 
you know, let's not like destroy the relationship here where now like he'll force his way out of town. Let's do it where like, all right, Dame, mm-hmm. look, you could, you know, let's, let's do this with dignity. We'll dare you to us, to a contender where we can get something good back. You could, you have a chance to win. Everybody's happy, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting deal with the Draymond Green situation with them. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Miles Bridges, 30 game suspension, 20 served. He misses the first 10 of next season. So we're going to touch into that, but that's the announcement there. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse taking his hat elsewhere pro. Uh, <laughs> he's been fired by the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Ime Doka expected to be a serious candidate in Toronto. Nigerian connection there, pro. Um, African connection, the yeah. GM. Mm-hmm. Not Nigerian? Yeah, yeah, African connection, I said. Both of them? Yeah. African, yeah. yeah. Like, I thought so Mas- thought, yeah. Masai was an African scout um, yeah. to start his career or whatever. But they do they do have some type of history. I don't know where Doka was, maybe playing where one of his scouting you know, when – you know when Messiah was moving his way up, I I, I think that though that's a that's a good hire. If I'm a Doka, I'll probably take a match. Get him out of the U.S. Yeah, get him out of the get U.S. Get him out of the U.S. Yeah. too with all the different agents. with with, that, with all the bullshit. Although Canada, can not Canada. Canada is much more uh, woke with all that stuff too. So you might even cop a hard time there. But um, that'll be interesting to see. And then just finally, the NBA players voted Trey Young as the most overrated in the league. Uh, Rudy Gobert was also up there, but uh, Trey Young. Most overrated. That's from the Athletic Pro. So interesting one to note. Right, let's move on. We're going to plow through these. Uh, dabble, copy bets. Um, the social betting experience where you can copy bets. It's simple. See a bet on your feed you like. Boom, hit that copy bet button. Follow my copy bets and jump into the banner channel. Have a chat. Go on and download the app, the App Store. Have a dabble. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. I'm putting a few bets up there and the good people at Dabble have given a few refunds on them already if one leg of multi of some of the multis that I do do not get up. So check that out. Moving on to the NBL and Australia, a little bit of free agency news. Joe Lawala-Chul back at Melbourne United for what I hear is a huge number, but good to see some talent back. Mitch Norton, bought out of Perth, has signed in Brisbane. I think this is a really good pickup for Brisbane if you're a Brisbane Bullets fan. Veteran leadership at the guard spot, much needed. I think this will help. Um, Kings have signed Makwach Malawach, Really athletic uh, in the NBL one right now. Uh, really good kind of up-and-coming guard that we hope to further develop. Todd Blanchfield, bought out by the Wildcats. He's gone to the Hawks. 2024 lottery pick, AJ Johnson, signed with the Illawarra Hawks as well. Pro, do you know much about him out of high school there in the US? I don't. I don't know about him. But I, I think mm. he's a guy that so, he's a guy that committed to – He's he's supposed to go high major college in the United States, and he's going out there. No, I don't know much about him. Yeah, I don't know much neither. But the, the Hawks have a good pipeline, obviously, with with the next star model, with with the Ball family and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So I do have some NBL news. I'll be the first time ever reporting NBL news. So I'm working for the uh, trainer in Dallas. His name is Tim Martin. He's the guy that works out um, Victor. Yeah, the, the the French kid. But we've got mm-hmm. a couple yep. of guys. Um, we got Ryan uh, Ryan Rupert from New Zealand. He's working mm-hmm. out with us. He's been good. Yep. Good player. Solid, a really good defender. Shot's getting better. Great kid. Works hard. Long. Yeah, yep. long, really long. And then I've been working out. Uh, an agent reached out to me through a friend, uh, listener of the show, who works in the NBA. Um, name is David O'Quera. Who played in Melbourne? Yep, yep, yeah, yep. really good. Yep. He's gonna test and, and work out for some NBA teams, 
like a Luel Deng type, like 6'9", long arms, shots getting better, really, really good kid. Um, really enjoyed working with him. So I think he's, I think he signed in Perth. So, um, yep. Signed in Perth yeah. as declared for the draft, long athletic. Yep, so if definitely. anybody wants some, any, some NBL news from pro, yeah, if anybody wants NBL draft news, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I can't. You're the guy. I'm trying to get you to get me over to Australia to do clinics. I got to beg fucking Australians to fly over here to work with me. So that's how we're doing it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you need eight. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. All right, real quick. The NBL salary stuff was released a couple of weeks ago. This is total spends, not cap spends. So total spends. So this is not what the cap is because there's obviously some provisions around marquee. So if a marquee's paid 700K, it only hits your cap for 250. So this is the whole number of spends. Mm-hmm. Each team have made Adelaide 36ers not made making the playoffs again. Spent the most in NBL uh, 22, uh, 2.92 million dollars, if you don't mind, on their total spend. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix were at 2.85 million, Perth Wildcats 2.64, Sydney Kings right in the middle 2.40, Melbourne United 2.39, Brisbane Bullets 2.35, Hawks 2.26, Jack Jumpers 2.05. Uh, New Zealand Breakers 1.80, Cairns Taipans 1.65. Great job by the Cairns Taipans, lowest spending team, and then still made the, the top four. Keep in mind the teams like the Phoenix, I think Melbourne United, a few other teams with a lot of injuries, that helps their number because if if, if there's injuries in our league, mm-hmm, bro, mm-hmm. it comes off your, your your total spend or your or at least kitten your cap. So um, this is the total spend, and there's obviously bonuses loaded in that as well. So the Kings winning the championship, always rumored to be buying a championship, uh, basically fourth, fifth with Melbourne United um, in the middle. In the middle, the league average was two point three three. So just some something to note there. A few little gripes I have with Australian basketball pro. Let's uh, do it. We have well, not gripes, news. So the Basketball Australia have made the decision to deny. Uh, the player questioned the male from competing in the female league oh. in Victoria. So that's been that's been denied by Basketball Australia. There was an expert panel pro. Um, the expert panel adjudicated that they're going to deny that deny this from happening. I'm scratching my head as to why we need an expert panel for that pro, but that's a story for another day. There was a bit of a word sandwich from uh, a word salad. I've been told I like to use sandwiches because it's different, <laughs> but word salad from Basketball Australia around their statement, but they have denied it. But this is what I want to talk about. The under I think it was the, the, the Nationals, under-18 Nationals were up in Queensland over, over the last couple of weeks. So per the way it works here is you, you play for your local club. If you get good enough, then you represent your local area. And then if you get good enough, you represent your state. Right. You then go to a national championships and represent that whole state. Um, so that, that was in Queensland. I've heard, or not heard, I was told, and it's factual because I've got the videos I posted on my social media, uh, Basketball Australia's Institute of Policy where there is no noise to be made during free throws, pro. Hmm. No noise to be made. Um, meaning that if an opposition team fans or parents make any noise during a free throw of an opposition team, they will get a warning for unsportsmanlike behavior, which then can result in a technical foul. Number of things why this is an absolute shit show of a decision <laughs> by Basketball Australia. Num- number one, because you can put Trojan horses mm-hmm. in the crowd. So I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Queensland. We're playing Victoria. I'm going to dress as a Victorian and boo the Queenslanders, yeah. and then I'm going to get my my team at a tech and a tech and a tech. Number two, it's just it's just that bubble wrap generation that we're we're continuing to not have any kind of 
adversity or conflict for our kids. What do you think happens when they go overseas? Pro, you're involved in high school sports and college sports. It's it's a great atmosphere. Yeah. You know when you go on the road, you're going to get booed. Mm-hmm. And this is just a horrendous over-governing decision by, by bedwetters. And, and it needs to be called out. It's horrific. I, I remember going from Australia, and I, I mentioned this on socials, going from Australia – you know, where you go from local leagues, not a lot of fans, to go on and play in Europe for my junior. This is a under-19 junior tournament. They've got flags. They've got drums. They've got bloody they've got a trumpet in the crowd. They're lighting fl- – like, and you're just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, this, is, this, is somewhat, this is somewhat confronting and different. So now you're going from everyone please be quiet for the guy shooting the – or the girl shooting the free throw to get off a plane and try to compete for your country and you're basically getting spat on, which I don't condone, but that kind of mentality of like fans want – you know, you, you're going to play bad against us, boo, we, we hate you. How are you going to prepare kids for that? How are you going to prepare 16, 17-year-old kids to make that jump to go to college where they're printing out your face on billboards and making fun of you? And I, I like it. I'm all for it as long as it's not abusive and, and physical and they're not, they're not, they're not uh, inciting violence or, or going too far. Like if your mother's passed away or something, that's too far. But if they're making fun puns about you, they've dug up a past about an old girlfriend, whatever it is, old boyfriend, I'm all for it. And – for basketball Australia to do this, pro, I think a part of your development is dealing with distractions, no dealing with a shit show, dealing with a fan that's talking shit to you, dealing with someone with those clappers while you're shooting free throws. You get to the NBL and the announcer's like, does anyone want free cheeseburgers? Because if they miss two free throws in a row, they get free che- you know, the whole crowd gets free cheeseburgers. Yeah. So everyone's going bonkers and you're like, what What the hell are we doing? So basketball Australia, like, get your head out of your ass, get rid of that rule. Stop over-governing things that you don't need to govern. No. It's just a shit show, Pro, and I'm, I'm kind of really taken aback by that. I was very, very concerning when I heard it. I, I've had numerous coaches reach out to me quietly that don't want to be mentioned that were in that tournament in different age groups uh, or, di- or different squads, and they, they all said the same thing, that we've got formal warnings because a parent made a noise during a free throw and ridiculous, Pro. Yeah, they said D'Angelo Russell put uh, endorses a rule where if you call a player a point guard while at the free throw line, you get banned for life from any Basketball Australia event. So <laughs> do not, whatever you do, do not call a fucking player a point guard. Also, like overseas, like, you know, they throw batteries at you and light pennies and throw them. You got, like, I remember, mm. I remember when I was in Europe uh, for the Reebok Euro Camp in the Italian League playoff game, they're guys with semi-automatics in the fucking stands. You got player guys that are just giving people the arm and finger and swearing and spitting. It's crazy. So yeah, like come on, man. I mean, first of all, you'll never go. You'll never be able to govern that rule, or you know, you never be able to do anything with that. Well, they rule, are. Like you said. They are because yeah. of, there's a video I've posted, and and the uh, an athlete gets a free throw, gets the ball from the referee, and you hear everyone yelling. Shh, shh, shh. You know, Australians are generally a very rule following and obedient. Uh, society, um, but right. you know, good people break bad rules, pro. And this one's one that definitely needs to be broken. I hope BA yeah, wipes this away because it's just it's, it's absolutely horrendous, and it's just not preparing you for for the next phase. I mean, pro, explain to people in the US high school high school sports and how passionate they are, especially small town high school sports. Oh my god, they're screaming, swearing, putting up like pictures of girls with like bikinis on to get like at the free throw line, like behind the basket, and, and generally got- getting. F- Thousand fifteen hundred people to some of these games. Folks, there's even a high school. You can look it up. I don't know if it's high school or college division three. When someone's at the free throw line, they had a fan base where they faked a pregnancy and they had a little kid come out of the pregnancy and they delivered a little <laughs> kid while somebody's at the free throw line. Give me a fucking break. I mean, come on, like you know, like 
yeah, it's crazy. United States, especially in those small towns, Indiana, you know, Maine, um, yeah. you know, Texas, it's tough, man. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. But like I yeah, said, as long as there's no 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 direct violence or swearing yeah. or go for all your life. Make the noise you do flips, do you know, there's girls that yeah. have lifted their tops up. There's boys that have lifted their tops up. There's all kinds of shit going on in there, and I'm all for it. I love it. I, I think of the the raw, you want that. And then when you go back to your home, guess what? I want I want my home fans to do the same thing. I think it's it's a great environment. No doubt. Um, basketball Australia, put your finger out and just concentrate on getting basketball better. All right, moving on. Useful or useless stats, bro? First one, we're just going to go useful or useless real quick. We don't need to get into these. Mm-hmm. King's ticket prices, bro. Priciest playoff ticket prices ever. Tracked online, excluding the NBA Finals, um, so any playoff game. The getting price for Game One of the Sacramento Kings game was three hundred and seventy nine, three hundred seventy nine dollars just to get in the building. Pro, useful or useless? Damn, fucking. I don't, I think that's both useful and useless at the same time, folks. First of all, who the fuck would pay three hundred seventy nine dollars if you could watch that shit at home? And second, that's a fucking <laughs> lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's useful to see, you know. I mean, so that's an expensive ticket, man. So I guess it's, you know, it's cool to see that the like the demand for tickets in the playoffs is that much. Where a game in the first round has that type of value, in my opinion. What do you think? Sixteen, seventeen years without a playoff berth plays into that pro. So I think it's, I think it's mm-hmm. great. I think it's useful. It's unbelievable that a small, this whole argument of small markets can't, can't, you know, do that well. They've proved making the playoffs is good. Um, and 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 I love the story of Sack, but. I'd love to see that continue next season, the season after. I think we'll see it f- fester out. They just haven't experienced winning enough to um, to just get used to it like they do in some other cities. Next one, last two guards to average 30-plus points a game on less than one three a game in a season, pro. Who you got? Who would you guess? Two guards that average 30 in what, folks? 30-plus on less than one three per game in a season. Oh, made. wow. 30 a game. In uh, during the season, um, did Demar Derozan? No, uh, close, close. Uh, no, not Demar. Okay, it's not Demar. Um, I'm gonna guess it's uh, 30 points NBA season. I don't know. Guard, uh, Clyde Drexler. You kick yourself when you don't get it. Clyde Drexler and nope. fucking Michael Jordan. I don't know. Who do you got? Michael Jordan is one. Oh, Correct. Wow. Michael Jordan is one. The other one's SGA. Did it this season. Oh, nice. So pretty impressive. Yeah. Less than one three per game made. Um, 30 points is, is, is 30 the old-fashioned way, pro, but that's useful, useless, useless, uh, useful for me because it's pretty impressive to score that much and make it grindy. What do you got? A useful, same thing. Yep. Okay, the Raptors are the only team to have two coaches of the year in the last six years that both got fired. <laughs> useful or useless? <laughs> useful. Don't coach in fucking Toronto. <laughs> Jesus do you remember the photo of, of Dwayne Casey getting the trophy if you haven't look that shit up he gets the coach of the year trophy he's angry as fucking that trophy he's holding the trophy he's so angry so he must have been t- he, he knew obviously yeah hey hey coach you won coach of the year congrats get your shit out of the office on the way out with your trophy yeah well <laughs> the well, photo is unbelievable man look it up look up that photo there should be like a FedEx package next to it with like ship to the Detroit Pistons basketball office. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. Exactly. They get a dis- they get a discount rate. Our right, last one. 
touching on our Lakers free throw theme of the last three weeks, most time spent in the bonus in regular season. Who would you have as number one pro? I'll give you one guess. <laughs> I'm going to let you do this. This is Los your baby. This Lakers. has been your baby. The so- Los Angeles Lakers, 12, 12, minutes and eight, 12 minutes and 18 seconds a game are spent in the bonus for the Lakers. Yeah. Number two was interesting was the T-Wolves, 11 minutes and 52 seconds. The Clippers were third, 11 minutes, 49 seconds. And Grizzlies, four, 11.42. And Kings made the five in 11.36. Useful or useless? Useful, man. I mean, it's definitely useful to just uh, show. Again, I never even noticed this, but it does show that, you know, they, 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 you know, they got a ton of fucking foul calls. So, yeah, I'll say useful. Useful as well. Um that is it for Useful and Useless Pro. Do you have a fact or fake news to send us off? We're not going to do our Q&As because we're yeah. cognizant on not getting to our mark for, for some of our listeners that don't the, like it going too long. Just um, one quick one. What do you have? What do you the, have? The sound Let's guy will get rectified on social media and people will start sticking up for him for not fucking that thing up last week. Fact or fake news? Fact and cosign. What about your Doritos bag? Free <laughs> Pro Doritos bag. Hold up, folks. It's not the Doritos bag fault. I don't know if the sound guy's going to have to uh, bomb that thing up, but here's my Doritos bag in the background, folks, for you. All the, all, all the chewing on ice. That always goes the down. Chew, I do well chew on it. ice a lot. I'm sorry. And there's been times where you text me like, cut the fucking shit with that ice. And I fucking throw it away. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. We've got one back online for you. We'll get back to the Q&As next week. See you on next week. I right, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Let's get rogue.